Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Here we are again, like Pastor Mike said, my God, it's 2019 already. Where, where are the years going? Seems like they just keep flying by and flying by. That's why we need to make sure that the days that we have on this earth, that we make sure that they count, that we're not just spending them on ourselves and not spinning our wheels trying to accomplish our own things, but that we attach ourselves and attach our hearts, attach our faith, attach everything that we have to the kingdom of God where real increase can take place. Amen. Amen. We are in part two of the series we started last weekend, New Year, New You. Uh, the subject is consecration. If you were not here last weekend, I, please, I beg you, go listen to the message online, please. I cannot possibly do a complete review of last weekend. Uh, I will attempt to throw a few things out here to kind of get us all on the same page. Again, we are talking about the topic of consecration. Consecration is the act of dedicating something or someone for special use. It's usually connected to uh, or pertains to committing oneself unto God, so it's a sacred thing, it's a holy thing. Consecration naturally involves cutting off some things. It may require you to walk away from some things that are maybe diminishing the intimacy of your relationship with God. It could be something that's pulling you away from, uh, from spending time with God. And when I say spending time with God, I'm not talking about, you know, becoming a nun or becoming a monk and just, you know, walling yourself off and not having any contact with the outside world. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your everyday, where is your heart? At any given time during the day, where is your heart? Are you thinking about God? Are you thinking about what Jesus did for you? Are you thinking about what it cost him to, for you to come into relationship with Almighty God? in heaven. Uh, Where is it at? Is is it, you know, sometimes we find ourselves distracted. I don't know. I'm so grateful sometimes that the Holy Spirit is like, uh, every once in a while the Holy Spirit says, hey, 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 what are you you doing? What are you thinking about? Get that attention back. Get that focus back. Amen? And usually one of the telltale signs that our heart is drifted or our mind is drifting or starting to daydream about things or going places in our head that we should not be going. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is an indicator of that is how are you treating people? Because when we're mindful of God and mindful of what Jesus has done for us, we usually treat people around us much different than we do at other times. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I, am I all by myself in here this morning? Now, the thing about consecration, again, consecration is about separation. And I'm not talking about geographic. I'm talking about separation in here, okay? Consecration is about pulling ourselves away from some of the old conduct of our lives, but is also bringing ourselves to a place where we say, God, here I am, here's my life, whatever you want to do with it, I'm putting it in your hands. Consecration, to sanctify something, to make it holy, to make it special for a particular purpose. You know, as I'm speaking this, I'm, I'm reminded of, of what happened when, when Pastor Mike was born. Now, for those of you who might not realize it, Pastor Mike, who just spoke, um, is our son. And um, he, we had a pretty traumatic experience at his birth. Um, uh, he was born with the cord wrapped around his neck, 
And here he comes, and there's no doctor in the room. Now, let me back up a couple of hours. That happened at about 3, about 2.40 in the morning. Well, about quarter to 12 midnight, going just on the, other, the day before, I'm in the father's waiting room on my knees. To my knowledge, had not yet been born again. Didn't understand it. Probably was, but didn't understand 100%. And I got on my hands and knees, and I said to God, look, I don't know if you're real or not. Now, we had lost a child before Michael. And I was very concerned that the same thing was going to happen all over again. And so I got on my, on my knees, got on my, just, just thank God I was by myself in the Father's waiting room. There was nobody else around. And I said, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I place my life in your hands if you will watch over this baby and make sure that nothing happens to him. My life is yours, whatever you want me to do. Let me tell you something. I had no idea I was praying a prayer of consecration. I was placing myself in his hands. And you know what the funny thing? When you pray a prayer like that to God, he hears it. My life completely took a shift, just went in a complete 180 different direction. And I believe with all my heart it was because of that prayer. Every once in a while, we need to pray a prayer like that. Every once in a while, we need to take inventory. If I could just put it to you this way, our life is many-faceted. We have all, everybody's life is, is complicated. Who in here has a boring life with no busyness at all attached to it? <laughs> you ask your friends, you ask your family members, how you doing? Oh, I'm busy, busy. I, I hate hearing that anymore because we're all busy. Life is busy. If, if, but but well, what's it busy about? That's the whole thing. It's not bad to have a life that's busy. Nobody wants to just sit around and collect cobwebs. But what is it about? And so we all have different facets of our life and we have different relationships and each one of those relationships is going to require energy from us. It's going to require forgiveness. It's going to require walking in love. It's going to require understanding and growth. <clears throat> but every once in a while, I think we need to take inventory and, and just go through in our heads and just ask the Holy Spirit to help us and say, Holy Spirit, are there any areas of my life, watch this now, listen, that have gotten out from under your influence. For instance, how many people start out with a career that God may have genuinely called them into, and all of a sudden now that career becomes an overwhelming monster. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Trust me, I've lived that, okay? Uh, Especially being in the crazy business that I was in before I came into the ministry. I was in the restaurant business, and I don't know if you realize it, but all the crazy people are in the restaurant business. (laughs) Anybody been in that business know what I'm talking about? I left my hair in the restaurant business. <clears throat> and so I would picture, and, and I don't know about you, but this, I just think in pictures. And to me, my relationship with this business that, that at one time was, was, was successful and very prosperous, okay? But there was a time that it morphed and became this monster that was out of control and demanded more and more and more of my time, more of my energy, more of my patience, more of my faith. And so I would picture myself... Like, like, has anybody ever seen the picture of St. George and the dragon? You know, there's a, he's got this sword and he's trying to conquer this dragon. And, and, you know, it was like that. It was like this dragon that I would, that sometimes I'd be able to get him in his cave and keep him there. And it would be a good balance between me and the business. And there was other times it's like he's breathing down my neck. The monster came out of the cave and he just grew to tremendous proportions. And so I would find myself in this battle every once in a while. Well, let me tell you something. That happens in many, most of our lives. 
I'm asking you, for you to, in this time, as we step into this new year, take an inventory of your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to help you. And let him show you the areas of life that one time were very much under the control and the influence of God. But maybe now, you kind of pulled him out and you're walking on your own with this thing. Because he'll let you do that if you want. He'll let you take something that was originally consecrated to him, originally maybe even instigated by him and motivated by him, but then you took control of it. And now you're serving it instead of it serving you. Many people start out in careers where they, make, they can make good money, make a good living for their family, and then all of a sudden some switch goes off on the inside and it's not enough anymore. We start wanting more. We start wanting bigger. We start wanting, well, I want a bigger house. I want a bigger car. I want a bigger this. And I want to go on three vacations a year. And I want to, those are fine in there. And there's nothing wrong with them on the surface, but somebody's got to pay for them. How many of you know? Somebody's going, well, no, no, Pastor. I had that little plastic card in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? As much as you keep using that little plastic card, at some point, the day of judgment comes. And for some of you, it's going to happen next month, and you're going to pay for everything you put on that little plastic card for Christmas. And then the sackcloth and ashes comes out, and we go into a time of mourning. And then all kinds of, then, then the phone calls start coming in. Pastor, we need counseling in our marriage. We're in trouble. Yeah, because you put $5,000 on your credit card that you know you couldn't afford. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad I came to church this morning. Just warning you. So, areas that get out of control need to, every once in a while, be reined back in and brought to the lordship of Jesus. Do we understand this? Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, and I really don't want to. I I prayed before, and I said, Lord, help me to stay close to my notes today. Uh, I'm trying hard. Do we understand that? How many of you have ever used that phrase when you've maybe wanted to talk to somebody that's not a Christian yet. When I say Christian, I'm talking about biblical Christian, somebody who's not born again, someone who's not received Christ yet, and you talk to them, and they say, well, you know, it's just religion. You go, no, 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 no. Christianity's not a religion. It's a relationship. How many of you use that one, huh? Okay. Okay, so, so that's true. It is a relationship. God bless you. And, and in relationships, we go through phases and seasons. And a relationship has to be guarded, a relationship has to be nurtured, a relationship is going to have to be consecrated. Now, when, 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 when a man and a woman come together and they pledge love towards one another, they are consecrating themselves through vows to uphold um, that relationship and to treat it as God would have them to treat it. But watch this now. Somebody at the end of the last service gave me an illustration. I said, wow, that is so good. Now, uh, uh, you know, um, my wife and I, we're going to be together. Well, we're together. Well, we're married 41 years. We dated three years before that. Um, I still have my diapers on at the time. And, um, and so we've been together way longer with each other than we were with our parents. Okay? So we know each other's likes. Um, she knows that... Um, I'm very sensitive to smells and scents. I don't know, is anybody else cursed like that? Very sensitive. So you walk in the building, oh God, what is going on here? Yeah. But I'm more sensitive to perfumes and candle scents. Yeah. 
And my wife knows this. Now, I know she only likes dark chocolate. Now, if I start flooding the house with milk chocolate and she starts lighting candles, <laughs> what is that an indication of? I have removed myself from that vow of consecration to want to take care of her, to nurture her, to nourish and do all these things and to treat her kindly and to put her first. I'm starting to show indications of what? Selfishness. And we do the same thing with God sometimes. We know what he likes. You know, I've used this illustration when I've taught on worship, and we need to do that again. It's been, been a while since we taught on worship. There are certain patterns, and here, this is all consecration, right? Because we, we, we want to please God. Yes or no? Okay. So, so I've used this illustration. Now, there are all kinds of patterns in the, in the word of God of how God wants to be worshiped. Most people don't pay attention to any of them. You know, some of us raise our hands, not because I got nothing better to do, but because in the Psalms, we are commanded to worship God with uplifted hands. We are commanded to open our voices and open up our mouths and sing. We are commanded sometimes to kneel. We are commanded sometimes to shout. We are commanded to worship him with instruments. He, he sets the stage. This is how I want to be worshiped. I hate raisins. I, just, I despise them. If you're going to bring me anything, like at Christmas time, you guys flooded us with cookies, put raisins in everything, please, because I'm not supposed to eat this stuff, all right? You say, what has the raisins got to do with it? Okay. My wife knows I hate raisins. Now, if my birthday, when my birthday comes up in June, if she presents me with a cake that's loaded with raisins, because she likes raisins, whose birthday are we celebrating? Yes or no? So, so now listen, now listen. So part of consecration is, Father, I want to submit myself completely to you. My life, I want to be pleasing to you. Uh, so that if he says, when you come into worship, lift up your hands, open your mouths and sing, and, and worship me, uh, if it's a time of holy reverence, maybe if you feel like the Holy Spirit's telling you to kneel. So if you come in here and you go, well, I'm just not that type of person. Well, whose birthday are we celebrating? Well, you know, I'm not that type of person to raise my hand. Okay, but the worship is not for you. The worship is for him. Are you getting this? If God says, I want you to come before me with chocolate cake, and you say, I don't like chocolate cake, it's not your chocolate cake. Are you listening to me? So, so please, for your sake, Please start worshiping God the way he wants to be worshiped. God has prescribed, I'm getting ahead of myself, oh God, I'm getting ahead of myself. God has prescribed the fashion, that we, the relationship we're supposed to have with money. It's his. We're just playing Monopoly here. We just get a chance to use it. It is his. Have you ever seen a Brinks truck go to the cemetery? No. What is a Brinks truck? The truck that brings the money to the bank, you guys? You've never seen one go to the cemetery, have you? No, because you're leaving it here. I don't care how much you got. You're leaving it here, okay? So God has given us a way for us to handle our money. And he says, if you handle it this way, I will bless you. I will increase you. I will protect you. I will make sure that your investments are protected, your job is protected, your house is protected, your health is protected, if you handle it this way. But then we come and go, 
I'm not giving a dime. <laughs> Fine, he still loves you. You're still gonna go to heaven. You'll probably live like hell on earth, but you'll still go to heaven. See, these are all things about consecration. If, and again, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but you guys can handle it, because this is more next week's material, and then we'll get back into this week, okay? If God says, I have prescribed for you within my word, how are you supposed to handle your body? What you're allowed to do with it and what you're not, and you just go walk, walk, hog wild, and you're hooking up with everything that walks around, that is not living a consecrated life unto God. And the consequences that come from that kind of life are devastating. So, let's begin to take an inventory of some of these areas. Now, I hope we get to this point today, uh, I did last night, to realize that all of the areas that are out of control in our life can be summarized in two categories. Money and appetite. When I say appetite, I'm not talking about whether you like a T-bone steak or whatever. Money or feelings. Money or emotional experiences. That's the devil gets us there every single time. Those are the two main areas that every facet of your life can be put into those categories. When we will learn to take those categories and submit them to God, we will live a life that is consecrated unto him. You will enjoy the promises of blessing that God has attached to each and every one of those promises. Instead of you frustrated, instead of you constantly feel like you're banging head against the wall, instead of you constantly doing and going through life and not really seeing the satisfaction and contentment, what I'm saying is this. Let's make this the year that we realize, yeah, that area's out of control. Yeah, money's out of control. My emotions are out of control. My relationships are out of control. And get those things. And just bring them before God. Say, Father, forgive me. I, I want all of these things under your influence. I want your blessing upon them. I am, I am tired of trying to struggle in these areas of my life. I want to bring them back to you. I want to consecrate my life to you. Are you listening? Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read to you from the Passion Paraphrase. Verse 1. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Let me ask you that question. What should be our, our response when we realize what Jesus endured on our behalf? What should be our, our, our response? Should it be, well, yeah, that's great, thank you. Uh, I realize you died on the cross, you suffered horribly. Even before you got to the cross, you suffered. I realize that you, you probably spilled most of the blood in your body, which would have caused your death. I realize you did all those things. But you know what, thank you, I really appreciate that, but I'm gonna live my life on my own. No, that's not the natural response, Paul's saying. He's saying the natural response to God's marvelous mercies is that we present ourselves. Let me read the rest of it to you. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifice, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Genuine expression. Our worship is not just when we come here when you might be home listening to a song. Our worship is what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your body? What are you doing with your finances? What are you doing with that pertains to you? What are you doing with God has blessed you with? What are you doing with it? Is it a, is it a dead end? Does it stop with you? 
Or are you literally living a life that, that not only blesses others, which we like to do because we see others, again, we like to bless others, and I wonder sometimes how much we do for other people so that they'll go around saying, wow, we, you know, Joe's such a great guy. Awesome, we give you the shirt off his back and all this other kind of stuff. I wonder how much we do just to hear people say good things about us. But what about God? What about living our life to please him? What about living our life where he in heaven is like, this blesses my heart the way so-and-so is living. They have, see, because the way you live your life is either displaying gratitude towards God or is displaying negligence, lack of gratitude, lack of appreciation. Now, now you could be sitting here going, wow, so this consecration stuff sounds like a lot of rules and regulations, and, 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 and you could look at it that way if you want to, but, but this is the point I wanted to make. Consecration is only successful when it is based on the fact that you have an appreciation for the goodness of God. If you do not have an appreciation for the goodness of God, you'll have to force yourself to act a certain way, okay? And you'll have to live life, you know, if you care about what people think about you, you live like, like you want to say something and inside your conscience goes, or that, that, you know, your inner voice goes, well, no, you shouldn't say that because that's not how a Christian would talk. And so you catch yourself and you force yourself to talk nice to somebody. But when you consecrate your life unto God because you're so grateful for what he's done for you personally, it becomes natural then. It's a natural byproduct of a consecrated life. You see what I'm saying? I said this in the first service, and I think I need to repeat it here. I think sometimes we Christians, those of us that have had the born-again experience, those of us that we know the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we know we, want, we read the Bible, the whole bit. I think sometimes we have taken Jesus because we've never seen him face-to-face. At least the good majority of us have probably never seen him face-to-face. I know there are some people uh, throughout history and, and even alive today that have had face-to-face encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the most part, most of us will never see him face-to-face here on earth. Because we've lacked that face-to-face experience where our five senses have actually come in contact with him, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we put Jesus in the category of myth. We don't intend to do it, but we, and we would never say that, and we would never entertain it, but subconsciously, we forget that this, this is a man with a flesh and blood and bone body very much alive on this earth who lived 33 years, and most of those 33 years, he carried the knowledge of what he was going to have to suffer so that you and I, at some point in our lives, would be able to come to the place where we come to faith in Christ and we come before the Father and we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we forget this was a real person who came here that shed real blood, that endured real pain. And I don't say that to bring us to a place of guilt or condemnation. I say it to bring us to a place of awareness. That's why the early church 
had no problem living a consecrated life. They had no problem going into the Colosseum singing songs while animals are ripping them apart because they had an awareness because the gospel that was preached in the early church was all about the resurrection. We saw this guy dead, and then we saw him alive. We saw him suffer. We saw his body be ripped apart. We saw the blood be shed. We saw the mess that they made of him. And then three days later, we see him back again. That would make an impression on you, wouldn't it? But we have now the word of God in completion. And the word became flesh. We have the Holy Spirit living on us. We have the Holy Spirit rising upon us. We have no excuse not to walk a life that's consecrated, that's dedicated to him. That's why Paul says, don't you realize what Jesus has done? Don't you realize that the, the natural response to his marvelous mercy is that we live like living sacrifices. Sacrifices that are living still have a choice. We can still decide to go to the dark side, but there's something that should rise up in us to say, no, 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 no. Although I can, I won't. Because I value the sacrifice that he made for me. Amen? I know, listen, I know some of you may be hearing this kind of stuff for the first time. But it is time for this message to come back. It is time for the message of consecration, of even using that word holiness that so many people are afraid of. Oh, you're just a holier than thou. Now, you see, when a person uses that statement, they don't understand what holiness really is. Holiness is not something magical. Holiness is that you decided you are going to walk different, that you are going to walk and you're going to conduct yourself according to what God says, so you have chosen to separate yourself from normal conduct. That is holiness. Holiness is not you walking around with a halo around your head. Holiness is you walking around realizing my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I need to conduct myself in such a way that honors the blood that was shed for me. Now, we realize that it's not going to happen overnight, that it's a progression. I thank God for Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I want to read that to you in a passion paraphrase. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will, watch this, watch, will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful to complete the work that he began in us. He is faithful. Now, how does he work and where does he work in us? I want to bring you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, very important scripture to this series. Verse 23. Now I want you to, I want you to look at it up here on the screen. If you're looking on your, in your Bible, fine. If you're looking on your, in your phone, your Bible app. But, but, but just look at this for a minute. Now may the God of peace, now this is a prayer that Paul's praying. And we know it's inspired by the Holy Spirit because it's in the scriptures, right? And the word of God is God-breathed. It's inspired by God to bring correction, to bring reproof, to bring discipline, to bring whatever. It's, in other words, the word of God is there for us to grow. Yes, yes or no? Yes. <clears throat> so don't resist it, all right? Now, may the God of peace himself, not anybody else, the God of peace, the God of, of not, that peace doesn't mean absence of violence. I could read it this way and be correct. Now, may the God of wholeness, 
May the God of completeness himself sanctify you, set you apart completely. Watch this now. May your whole say with me, spirit, soul, and body, you can stop there, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I read this, and when I get out of this, and if you get something else, share it with me. What I get out of this is, number one, it's God's responsibility he's going to do it himself. But he can't do it without cooperation. So we need to cooperate with him, yes? He's going to sanctify, set apart, make holy, consecrate, dedicate you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless. So what's telling me is this. The function of God in my life, from the moment that I said, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside me. From that split second until the time that I take my last breath, God is about the business of using his word to prepare me to meet Jesus. That's why we always need to be going forward, going forward, even if it's tiny, tiny, tiny little steps. Going forward, going forward. I don't know about you, but I have prayed this prayer many occasions in my life. Jesus, please don't come back today. I am not ready. I don't want you seeing me like this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have, ever have those days where you like, you have been in the flesh like you weren't even before you were born again. You just fleshed it out. You just said things, you thought things, you did things, and you're like, how am I still alive? How has the ground not split and opened up and swallowed me? And it, oh, I'm the only one. Yeah, I'm the only one. Okay? So, so you see what's there now? If we'll cooperate with him, God says, I'm committed to prepare you, to preserve you, blameless, so that when he shows up or when we meet him or he meets us, we're not ashamed. How many of you would have wanted to meet Jesus before you got born again? No way. I mean, there's some, I could just think of some instances and incidences in my life. It's like, oh no, let the rocks fall on me and hide me from his face. You see what I'm talking about here? Now watch though, watch, because this gets better. In the sight of God, man, where's this time going today? In the sight of God, When he sees you, he sees your spirit as perfect. Now, let's back up here. We all realize, or I hope we do, that we are tripart in nature, right? Genesis tells us that God created us in his likeness, in his image, right? God exists as God the? Come on loud. God the? God the? God the Holy Spirit. Tripart. So if he created us in his image and likeness, then there should be a tripart nature about us. Yeah, there is. Spirit, soul, body. Now watch this now. When you got born again, your spirit was made perfect in the sight of God. Your spirit. Only one-third of you was affected. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Watch this now. For by one offering he, who's he? Thank you. By one offering he, who's he? Jesus has perfected forever those who are, say it with me, being sanctified. Now, this used to really puzzle me. Because I'm sitting there, I'm reading, I'm going, okay, so am I perfect or am I being sanctified? Which one is it? Yes. Yes. See, 
He perfected my spirit. Watch this now. Come on, listen. He perfected my spirit once and for all. When that moment that you received Christ in your spirit, the Holy Ghost came in and lived inside you. You are perfected. In God's eyes, you are perfect. You live 50 years after that on this earth. At the end of those 50 years, you are no more perfect than that split second when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. But being perfected, being sanctified is not referring to my spirit. It's referring to my soul. Our souls are made up of our mind, our will, our emotions. All very changeable, thank God. We are, your soul, your, your personality, your mind, your will, your ability, the decisions you make are all based on everything you've been exposed to from the time that you can remember. Yes or no? It's programmable. You can change it. The Bible tells us that we're to renew our minds, not talking about our spirit, renew our minds according to the word of God. So the area that you and I need to bring to be consecrated is not our spirit. Our spirit's already connected to God by the Holy Spirit. Yes or no? However, our souls. I noticed that the day after I got born again, I was still a jerk. It didn't change overnight. My wife wished it did, but it didn't change overnight. Do you know that I still have the capacity to be a jerk once in a while? Barb, tell them. <laughs> How does that happen, Pastor? I don't understand. You're a pastor. You're in the ministry. You've been in the ministry for over 20 years. Been born again 30-something years, 34, 35 years. Because my soul was still being renewed. How about you? And my soul is going to continue to be renewed until I come face to face with him, whether I go there to meet him or whether he comes here to meet us. That's the process I'm talking about. Now, I noticed over the years, there's been times where, where you know, there's, there's a, an up and down. There's times when some areas of my life would be very much under the influence of God and then turn around five, ten years later and realize, oh, wait a second. I started living this myself again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever, ever listened to this one? You haven't heard this word in a while. Has anybody here ever backslid? Oh, Jesus. But you see, now I know this might, might, might hurt some people. I don't know. Well, maybe not. If I died in that state of being a jerk, I'm still going to heaven. Why? Because he perfected my spirit. forever, once and for all. But my, my problems are not in my spirit. My challenges are always gonna be in my soul. I talk about you because I know me, I don't know you. My challenges are gonna be in my soul. So every once in a while, I need to allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign in my life to speak and say, Joe, you, you were doing good in this area, but you took it back and you're not doing so good anymore. My influence is not there like it used to be. Now, at that point in time, you've got a choice to make. You're either gonna run and go headlong worse, or you stop and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you're right. And I remember the benefit of what it was like to live with that area of my life under your control and under your influence, and I don't like the way it is now. That's where we're at right now. 
I pray that God reveals to you. It's not a witch hunt. It's just a loving relationship. If I come home and I find 16 uh, candles all over the house with different scents and I can't breathe, I'm going to go to my wife and say, hey, hey, you know, you know this stuff. There was a time when you wouldn't do this because you know it bothers me. And if I come home and, and I've got cases of, of, of Hershey's milk chocolate bars, she's going to question and go, you, you know, this is great and you can enjoy them, but there was a time when you'd only bring me dark chocolate. What happened to our relationship? Now, she's not going to divorce me over dark chocolate, but it could put a damper on the relationship. Are you listening to me? Consecration. Let me put it to you this way. Again, I want to bring back to you that statement that we make sometimes. We say that, well, you know, you know Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Okay, granted, it is a relationship. Okay. The relationship that we have with God is always going to be a matter of who is master and who is Lord. Who is it? Now, there's, you know, we want to ideally think that every area of our life is under the lordship of Jesus. And maybe I'm a little bit more sensitive to this, having been a history student all of my life. Especially when I was in college, I specialized in medieval history. In other words, the Middle Ages in history. And the Middle Ages in history is all about lords, nobles, kings, dukes, little, how they ruled their little... Uh, areas of control. I don't want to use fancy history language. You know, if you're the Lord over a particular geographic area, you call the shots. The people that live in that area are expected to, on a regular, a regular um, schedule, a regular, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm sorry? On a regular basis to come and show their loyalty to the duke, the noble, the lord. It's his land, whatever gets produced, you get to eat, but there's a portion that you bring him, and that's how you establish your loyalty, and you acknowledge the fact that he's Lord over your property. Back then, I'm not promoting any of this, I'm just saying back then, you could not marry your daughter unless the Lord gave permission for that daughter to be married to that person. Your life was dependent upon how much loyalty you showed to them. Now, naturally, we're talking about a human being who's flawed, and many of them use their power in the wrong way. But there were some throughout history that were called beneficent rulers. They actually had a heart for their people. But they still retained their lordship. Do you know that we're not in a democracy of God? We're not called to the nation of God. When you got born again, you became part of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God operates very different than what you and I are used to in our political affiliations here. Very, very different. He is Lord. He is the king of the universe. Are you listening to me? Most of the prayers that are prayed in Judaism refer to God as king. Jesus at the Last Supper prayed a prayer recognizing God as king. Do you recognize him as king? 
See, we, we recognize him as pal. We recognize him as Abba, daddy. Let me come and sit on your lap, daddy. He's daddy. He's pal. But he's king. And as long as you and I conduct ourselves and recognize him and submit to him as Lord, as master, everything flows right. Not because he's a dictator, but because we recognize this king did everything in our best interest. This king got off the throne, came to the earth, and died a violent death of a criminal, only to come out of that tomb again and to be declared the son of God with righteousness, having justified us. So, so let me ask you this question. If anybody was here last night, I know I'm way different notes. But I believe this is the direction I needed to go for this service. Can I ask you this question, please? And please don't answer out loud. Are there areas in your life where you have taken them out from under the Lord, where you have taken them out from under a king, and very much like a rebel have decided you're going to live that way no matter what God thinks, no matter what the word says, I beg you. I'm going to use Paul's language. I beseech you, brethren and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present yourself as a living sacrifice. It's the least that we can do. He deserves our lives. He deserves our consecration. He deserves us living a life that's dedicated to him. When we do that, everything else about life just falls into place. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.